Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Toronto has a rich history of producing great sketch comedy performers and troops that have crossed over to the United States. Among them, SCTV, Bizarre, The Kids in the Hall, Baroness Von Sketch Show, and now the foursome from Tall Boys to Men, who broke out quickly from the 2018 Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival, premiering their own TV show on the CBC in 2019. Tall Boys, created by and starring Gula Dabdi, Vance Banzow, Tim Blair, and Franco Noyne, and brought to TV by showrunner, director, and kid in the hall himself, Bruce McCullough, not only won multiple Canadian Screen Awards in 2022, they also hosted the ceremony. And they're already celebrating as their show got picked up in the U.S. The first season of Tall Boys premiered on Fuse in March 2022, with seasons two and three to air later in the year. Goulet and Franco sat down with me to talk about their rapid rise in the business and what it's like to make sketch comedy with one of the greats. If you like this conversation please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, last things first, the Tall Boys, Canada's latest comedy export to America. Uh, I'm here with uh, one half of the Tall Boys, uh, Guled and uh, Franco. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, excited. I was I was going to say congratulations for getting on TV, but for my listeners in Canada, they know you've already been on television for the past three seasons <laughs> uh, now. It's just you're finally getting to American viewers. How does how does that feel to be? On TV with the CBC in Canada for three seasons and, and just now getting your chance to be introduced to American audiences. Uh, I think it's really exciting because, I mean, the reality for a lot of Canadians is 90% of the programming we watch is American TV. So, like, most of our references are all American stuff. Um even when we pull out our money and we look down, we're like, well, why is it so colorful? It's not like on TV. Uh, we're so inundated with American media that um, it's really exciting. It just feels like, wow, we're, we're on, we're on those fancy, fancy red, white, and blue networks. <laughs> that's what we refer to American channels, the red, white, and blue networks. Yeah. Well, that's what we call the USA network. <laughs> <laughs> What do you call Fox News? We call it the, uh, extremely the, red, white, and blue. Extremely, yeah, mainly red. Well, um, tell me a little bit how the the four of you got together. I mean, the very first sketch from season one seems to imply some backstory for how how you guys are friends, right? As you're standing on the roof talking about who's best friends with each other, is that? Is that really how the friendship started to happen? Was either through being kids or being in improv class or what, what actually happened? Yeah. Like there's some truth to that. Like um, we all met each other initially through the open mic stand-up scene in Toronto. Um, Vance actually Vance and Tim actually first met each other doing a 
studying comedy at Humber College in Toronto. Um, you can study comedy in Canada as a course. You get a loan and stuff like that. It's pretty legitimate. Um, <laughs> and and so they knew each other through that. And then me, Gula, and the rest of us met each other just through the stand-up uh, scene. And then I saw Tim at a Second City class and I was like, hey, Tim, we should do some improv. Because usually stand-ups are like only doing stand-up and improv. Like everyone's just doing improv or sketch or stand-up. The worlds don't really collide. So I was like, Tim, you you like you're vulnerable enough to take some what of an acting class that we should do some more of it um and then uh gula uh, uh i think vance and tim worked together so tim's like we should bring vance on board and then, you know gula is my best friend so we always talked about doing stuff together um and then the four of us came together uh when there was a toronto sketch comedy festival and in the end we never did any improv together uh until after we started doing sketch. So that's really how everything came about. Right, Gulad? Am I forgetting? No, no, it, it, it's, it, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, we saw each other, we liked each other's comedy, and we joined forces and said, let's do comedy together. Yeah. And what then, year was that? That was 2016? 16? Yeah. I think 2016. 2016. Yeah, 2016, uh, in, in about October. And like the... <sighs> Our first outing of the Toronto Sketches is where we met the producers that we are currently working with on Tall Boys. And so that all of it happened so quickly because we met them like six months into being a troupe. Um, and, and then we had a show like a year and a half later. So it was all so fast and so sudden of just going from, we like each other's comedy, let's work together. And they're like, do you want to do TV? We're like, yeah, let's do TV. And then we're, on, we're, we're making a TV show, which felt like so wild. <laughs> Now, what, what was it, other than your greatness, your natural comedic talent, what was it that made the gears move so fast? Were you, uh, was it word of mouth on, in live theater shows or was it on YouTube or TikTok? What was? It was just the, truly just a live performance uh, because live we like, I truly describe it as almost like, the community like had our back and was celebrating us. Like our first outing at Toronto sketch fest, we got like such raucous applause from the crowd and the producers of the fest were also watching um, our set. And they're the ones that told um, the accents who we work with on tall boys to come check us out. They're watching a bunch of troops in the festival. And they said, I think you guys need to watch tall boys because I think they have something. So it was, it was really just like, I think just being funny, being at the right time at the right place, <laughs> those producers seeing us. And then also it definitely helped that, you know, like uh, at that time, you know, really it was Kim's convenience. Uh, and what else was there? What, what other shows were there that had like a diverse lineups on there? I don't think there was a lot that the CBC had at the time. So. Yeah. And so there were, there was definitely a, a hole in, in their, in their, in their programming. And so they're like this troop, I think they're not only funny, but they could also fill that hole of being like, we need more diverse performers on screen. Yeah. I've had, I've had the luxury pre pandemic of sitting down with the women from Baroness von sketch show, but none of them are tall boys. So <laughs> that's true. Actually, some, some of them, them are, are kind of tall, actually. They're yeah. Tall. Some is, Aurora's is, pretty tall. Carolyn's is yeah, Carolyn tall Taylor's on screen. Pretty tall? Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you have uh, like a five-year plan or did you have like an initial group ambition for tall boys or tall boys to men, I guess was the initial. Yeah, we were tall boys to men. Um, Initially, I think we, our first couple of rehearsals, we, we, our first show, we did it at a stand-up open mic. And we really tried to, like, we felt like it was a real challenge because even though the open mic was kind of like a variety show, it was mainly stand-up comedians. And open mics, generally, people are kind of like crossing their arms because everyone's kind of in their heads waiting to go on stage. So you don't really get a big reaction from the audience. So when we did our first sketch, uh, the public service announcer announcement sketch, um, it got such a big reaction. So we thought it was very unique to have this type of chemistry so early on. Um, so, and, and because we just, we were just having fun with each other. We didn't really have a plan. We were like, our first initial plan was just to do well at that open mic, just to see if we had chemistry to have fun. And it went so well. And then the next plan was just to do the Toronto sketch fest. We weren't really thinking about showcasing in front of television producers, but because we were just focused on putting on a good show and not really stressing about what was in the future, I think in some ways it really benefited us because we were really excited about like making what was present in the moment, the best, uh, you know, the best it could be. So when we, there was a, a thing called the, the inc- sketch incubator. So in one of the nights during the sketch festival, you perform because you're all the sketch performers. They don't get a chance to watch each other because they're performing all the time. So there's a night where there's like free beer and you just kind of go on stage and you do, your sketches in front of other sketch performers. And when we went on and we did our, our sketch, it was like the room was, it was, it was shaking. I've like never gotten a reaction like that. And it was like, people were pounding and it was really gratifying because it wasn't just Toronto comedians. It was like comedians from um, like all over the U S like Philadelphia and Chicago. Um, and, and it was like me and Tim, uh, we did a, a showcase in, uh, for like Second City where Second City sent us to Chicago and some other troop members from Chicago were like, man, I, I still remember that sketch. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, anyways, just I feel like I'm digressing a bit, but like, yeah, there was never any, no real plan, but it kind of like hit the, you know, uh, you know, accidentally hitting the template of like a Star is Born type of thing where we went to a showcase like the, we didn't even think about the festival as a showcase opportunity. We just thought it'd be fun to be part of the festival as like a stamp of being a legitimate com- comedic troupe. And just yeah. in that moment, it was like, we just wanted the, yeah, we wanted the pokey badge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, like, but there was more than that. It was like, oh yeah, there's, you know, it's a festival. There's like, um, yeah, like, yeah, there's a market in, at this point. So there are producers who are seeking out new talent. Um, and the funny thing about the, the show was that Caitlin Brown, who worked for, was the producer at Accent. After the show, we we had a great show and she came up to Gulet and she's like, you guys are really great. Um, have you ever thought about doing TV? And Gulet was like, uh, yeah, yeah, we have. And then we just never followed up with her for like seven months. And like, who knows how much faster it could have been. But it was just like one of those things where it was a post show. The show was so good that like, we were just jump, like basking in the compliments and not really listening to it, just feeling and, ourselves. And in my defense, I'd never been asked that question before. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, do you want to do a TV show? I was nervous. Like, I, I got to say yes, even though it wasn't a thought I had. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I have thought of a TV show. I do it since birth. And then, yeah, just I 
Well, that's like, the improv. Is you say yes. Truly, yes, yeah, it was. Yeah. I said yes, and I never, I never followed the and. I just <laughs> yes. said yes. yes. Bad improv. There was no and. <laughs> Our and took like seven months. Yeah. <laughs> What's fascinating to me, and perhaps it's one because I'm older, and two because I've been talking to comedians for so long. It's fascinating to me that we've been speaking now for several minutes, and not once has either one of you talked about looking at YouTube or the web or doing a web series in service of furthering your career. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we were uh, lucky in certain ways because like we were coming from like the live performance realm. So we did, we have like collect individually uh, done performing for many years before we were tall boys just uh, and stand up and improv and Franco, Tim and Vance have been part of other troops. I I was in another troop with Franco called fusion. uh, And so we've done a bunch of stuff and, have been like you know watching other youtubers and and sketch comedians do the crafts but really uh we were just so focused on just performing and everything happened i felt like so quickly that there wasn't really that like oh let's let's put together a web series let's do this like the the web series was let's make a show you know that was like it was like they were like an opportunity dropped in our laps of they're like do you guys want to make a tv show and then just learning how to write tv for the first time uh, just from after having done like literally our, I remember being in the room and being walked through, this is how you edit a script. This is how you put like, cause I'd never, I'd never written a script. So it was a lot of black box for sketch. You just uh, for stage, it's just people talking and then maybe an action line every now and then for something. Usually it's like a cue for the tech person to either put down the lights or play some music, but on TV, you got to say where you guys are. So I'm like, ah, interior house day. I got to start the scene with <laughs> a physical location of some kind, as opposed to just, we start talking, you know? Yeah, we did have like, we were in the beginning stages of developing our own web series, like whether or not we were going to connect, uh, like get on board with accent. We had an idea of our own, uh, that we actually showed to Accent, and they were interested in that property as well. But I think in the end, that they, I think they were more interested in just working with us and and a sketch, just a uh, a sketch comedy show felt like it was an, an easier um, a- adaptation from st- stage to screen. But by virtue of you, of the serendipity of it all, you never had to worry about trying to go viral. In social media, I mean, I still yeah. worry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly, I do because, like, it, it is uh, like, yeah, we have it. We have a TV show, and I'm so grateful for it. But yeah, there's still that part of me that's like, because in in stand up comedy, like, it feels like the message I've taken in is you're only as good as your last set. So of being like, so the viral feels like, man, I haven't, I haven't had a tweet hit triple digits in a very long time i i i need to i need to do something you know so that energy is still there wanted to go viral although i don't know how healthy it is uh for performing or creating from that place and i i can't speak to other comedians but i feel like maybe it maybe it's different in toronto where the only viable path to making a living in comedy was would be getting you know passed at yuck yucks or getting on the main stage at second city whereas like if you make a a viral video it could go super viral it it just seems so difficult to do that because you're throwing you know you're pouring a cup of water in this vast uh saturated ocean 
Um, and, and so it just seems much more practical and easier to like take classes and constantly audition and try to do as many sets as you can, because that seems like something that's within your control and that you can actually, you know, you can recognize the growth there. Whereas when you just constantly upload, it seems like it's just seems so challenging. Is that, is that also indirectly part of the virtue of only starting together as a group in 2016 that you got to essentially miss the entire cycle of social media where the first YouTube stars and the first people to go viral on all these different platforms. And then it became so oversaturated that it no longer became a viable route. So then it kind of goes back to the old, the old ways of doing things where it's just, Oh, you're live and you're on stage and people see you. And if they like you, then it builds from there. I think, I mean, it was still, it was 2017. So I think like Lonely Island had come out and from Canada, Picnic Face had already hit it. So it felt like already in that moment, it was so saturated. Like it always feels like you've missed it. Even with TikTok now, it feels like, you know, you just missed it. There are people like getting millions of followers already. So it always feels like you're always behind. But I think a big part of it too is like, we have a stronger pageant for the the live performance as well. Like sometimes you know, if you're a stand-up, you really want to have good jokes that you can, you want to develop a really strong act and you can take it on the road. And if you put it online, I don't know if it's changed. That's probably changed. But at the time, it felt like if you put something online, you're kind of giving away your material and who knows what you can do. Can you do a JFL set if you've already uploaded it online? Can you do a late night set Mm. if you've already uploaded it? Um, And then with sketch, it's also, I guess the sketch thing happened so quickly. So, Perhaps if we didn't get on TV so soon, maybe I most likely would have we would have been making stuff on our own and uploading it. We did one PSA with mm-hmm. a friend who reached out to us, or we did the PSA a version of it. Uh, our our friend uh, Roger Bainbridge and a group of other guys, uh, Rodrigo Fernando Stahl, they're like these great funny filmmakers in Toronto. Uh, came through and and helped us make some stuff, and I think we probably would have kept going. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, you mentioned JFL and JFL. In response to the rise of social media, creators added in recent years a new faces creators for the Montreal Festival. But that was never something that you guys thought about, that that was your route. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's really cool that even that exists. It's like... um because it's embracing what is the internet, you know, because there's so many people who are making great content. Like I'm on TikTok a lot and I personally am scared of putting stuff online because of how many eyeballs are viewing it. And I don't know if I have the tough skin to withstand that criticism as opposed to being on TV. People aren't really reaching out to me in that same way as if I posted a video online where it's the comments are the viewers, you know? Um, so I, I think it's really cool that like, yeah, creators are, are out there and just people who are making character videos or s- sketches get a chance to also be on that stage because in many, many times they might have a much bigger following and sometimes be making more money than, than more established comedians who are, who are doing the festival. Well, yeah. do you say you don't have tough skin, but you made it out of Somalia. 
<laughs> I, 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 I was too young. I didn't know what was happening. Uh, someone else was helping oh, so me. So if make you had known, you might have been like, yeah, did a lot of the work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just wait it out a little bit. I'm a little scared, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was whisked out of there. Uh, yeah. We were lucky that, you know, my parents were able to get us on a plane and like, we're, we're getting out of here quickly. So yeah, I was like four when I left. So uh, my skin was still uh, not at its, at its peak toughness. <laughs> <I will say. laughs> it was pretty soft. <laughs> You would say, uh, like, uh, no, I was just saying, like, war-torn Somalia is much more mild compared to the the comment section of (laughs) TikTok. Yeah, you can can survive a lot more in war-torn Somalia than you can. (laughs) (laughs) Franco, you you also mentioned, you know, one of the the benefits of being an artist in Canada is that you you can study the performing arts. You can study comedy at college or university. How how lucky is it? How great is it? And I know Vance isn't here, but the idea that you could take a comedy class from one of the kids in the hall in the first place, let alone have that that legendary sketch performer then like take you under his wing. Um, I, I, from what I hear from Tim and Vance, they really enjoyed their experience at uh, Humber. And I think uh, actually uh, when uh, Vance was there, I think Vance was doing a, a type of workshop and Bruce, Bruce McCullough, one of the kids in the hall was running the workshop and remembered Vance and really felt like he had star potential and felt like connection. And so actually the reason why with Caitlin, she, we didn't really follow up with Caitlin, but the reason why she remembered us and reached out to us again was because they had hired Vance to work in, uh, to help develop this other TV show with Bruce. And he was writing a couple of days on that, that developing room. Oh, and then okay. they, they asked Vance, Hey, they really loved Vance and said, ask Vance, Hey, are you still doing anything with that troop? We'd love to work with you again. Um, and then, so Vance let us know. And then, from there, we, we kind of showed them the, the web series we, we were working on, or maybe that uh, jump-started us to start a web series. But, um, yeah, from there, that's when everything worked out. So, yeah, I mean, Bruce actually is really good at remembering people that he has a, like, if you leave an impression on Bruce, he, he has you in your mind. Like, uh, even our producer, uh, uh, Elise Bailey, she, she told me she met Bruce because she was like, she was like, I think she was like an intern or she's like working some you know, show where she had to like uh, stock a fridge that Bruce was waiting. Like Bruce was in a green room and she had to stock a fridge and he talked to her and then somehow he hired her for the show and then she ended up being a producer. So um, yeah, I would say the two, yeah, Humberg School of Comedy and uh, that green room that Elise had to stock a fridge at, those are great. <laughs> institutions that will uh, help you get into the world of Canadian comedy. <laughs> the, the magic fridge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how important of an influence was kids in the hall for, for you guys? I miss kids in the hall. Uh, growing up. I, for me, I was watching a lot more cartoon network um, <laughs> as opposed to kids. All. So when, when Bruce uh, was initially, um, uh, we found out he was going to be, we met him and he was going to be the one helping us create the show. I actually had to Google who they were because I thought they were new kids on the block is what I thought we were working <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> so I had to go look him up and I was like, ah, kids, this is a different, kids also in the title, but they're not the same. They, 
they they sing, but it's part of sketches, not part of that's not their their whole deal. You know, Monty uh, yeah. Python is not a snake. <laughs> I, I know. I found out much later. Yeah, it was like, and this is the Monty, the famous Monty Python. Wow, kind yeah. of, that's impressive. I don't know if people see it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Bruce's two uh, well-known sketches are the Dave's I know and Step by Step. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, truly. Yeah, I, I only I think only after we started like working with him did I start watching Kids in the Hall sketches and then started seeing like oh wow like like the what they were able to accomplish uh when they were coming out and i'm like oh this this is like this is really funny and it's still like i'm watching a sketch from like 25 plus years ago you know and it's still it still holds up which is impressive because like comedy sometimes doesn't hold up that long you know it can it can age like a milk where you're like oh this is bad this is really bad uh but being like oh it's actually it's it's still really like funny do you feel then like like your group tall boys really speaks to your generation oh man so i don't know it's so that's so profound i don't know i I don't even it's hard to think about that at all i feel like the answer is no (laughs) (laughs) let let me me talk to my generation first (laughs) well well, good you mentioned about like jokes not aging well like being of its era yeah so like when when we're watching the first few seasons of, of your show, like, is it really kind of like speaking for like how your generation, like what your generation thinks is funny kind of. It's hard like, with comedy. I feel like it's uh, the best comedy. I mean, even with uh, TV and, and standup specials, like the medium is supposed to create this illusion of presence. And like, that's why like the screen has to bring the audience in so that like you're reacting to everything and the, hopefully the audience is, you know, having the same reactions in that present moment because the live, that's the beauty of the live show. There's an inherent danger of like, what if everything goes wrong, but they're along for the ride. Um, and to me, like the, the most enjoyable comedy and also outside of comedy, if we're going to get super philosophical, it's like the most, the funniest times, the hardest you're laughing is when you're really present where you're just like comfortable with your best friend or people that you're closest with. And you're just saying random stuff and some, you know, it has nothing to do with anything that any, any structure or, uh, you know, script or anything. It's just ridiculous in that moment. Uh, and then I feel like stand up all performance tries to replicate that or has some sort of structure that tries to replicate that. And then the TV and film and all that lighting stuff tries to replicate it through this invisible editing and sound and uh, world building. Um, so yeah, I think in the same way, standup is like, or a comedy, uh, is most effective when it's like as present as it can be. And that's why I like a show like SNL is so popular because it's talking about the thing that happened the week and the daily show is talking about the thing that happened the day of, or two days before, or like the YouTube vlogs are, are getting so popular because people are able to respond to something so quickly. And South Park is so popular because they're talking about something that's so relevant, um, so I, it's kind of funny with comedy. It's like the, it almost feels like if if this show doesn't age well, it was successful at the time, but not necessarily the case. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. You know, you're you're named after the name is inspired by a famous band, and one of the early sketches is about a boy band and how the boy band has defined roles. And you mentioned 
how Accent initially looked at <laughs> Advance as a star. Do you, do the four of you, and I know there's only two of you with me on the podcast, so you speak freely. <laughs> do, the, do the four of you feel like you have defined roles within Tall Boys? I feel in some way, like, I mean, we're, I think we all have uh, wheelhouses where we're like, we're experts or like, I feel like very strong uh, skill set in. Um, and, and when it comes to like, I remember when we were doing more of our live performances, there were, uh, I, I knew I could count on like, say for example, like if I'm in a scene with Tim, I know I can count on him to be very physical uh, and, and can in the moment come up with like some, some a very silly line. I know I can count on Franco for like the what perfectly timed joke. I know I can count on Vance for like just amazing facial expressions, you know, and, and being like, this is, if we need someone to look the saddest possible, we turn to Vance because people are really going to feel it, you know? So I think we all, we all have things that we're really good at. And I, I try to play into my thing of, you know, just I, I being silly and, and maybe uh, liking things that are, are, are sometimes very dumb, you know, but like, I feel like we overlap in many places, but then strong in certain areas. Yeah. I feel like, especially in the realm of improv, there's always like, you can always trust someone to come in and have your back. I think when you go, especially like as you jump from stand up to improv, your brain kind of switches because with stand up, it's like a very, uh, uh, like you you can get in your head and sometimes that benefits you because you're very analytical, but in an improv, it's about being present and reacting and performing, but not really, it's just making bold choices. Um, and so, yeah, the great thing with our troupe is that um, I've found a lot of moments where I'm like, Oh shoot, I'm thinking a lot today. And as I'm having this narrative in my head, the scene has already been saved by, you know, Vance or Tim or Gulet making a bold choice. Um uh, but in terms of like, I guess outside of improv, I think we, yeah, I think we naturally just have like the four of us will all always like naturally have certain things we, we just tendencies um, that we just kind of like gear towards. But uh, you know, with comedy, you always just want to push yourself to break the norm because that's kind of like the structure of sketches to find the most first unusual thing. And like with comedy, it's it's fun to try and try and as much as possible be unpredictable in a a healthy way. (laughs) So a a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing Colin Mockery for my podcast. And you guys have won an award named after Colin Mockery. Uh, I know you just said, Franco, that you hope to be unpredictable, but (laughs) what do you, what do you hope the future holds for tall boys? I mean, I, 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 I think we want to, we want to tour together. I think we want to just keep writing and doing stuff because, you know, it, it's so, it's such so surreal to have uh, like your dream come true and in such a ideal situation where you can, you have the support of your, your close friends and even like, everyone is incredibly supportive i think one of our big weaknesses is like we're so we always joke that we're we we're uh we always champion each other and we forget to like think about ourselves as individuals um but yeah i mean like everyone's incredibly supportive so it's hard to i think we just want to maintain this friendship and maintain 
uh, our, our creative, you know, just our, our passion for it. Um, yeah. And I think like we, we were thinking about like going on tour soon, maybe making a movie together. Um, yeah. And then individually, like just everyone, everyone individually outside of tall boys getting a, a Marvel four picture deal. In that oh team. yeah. That's, that's huge. What, just yeah. as an incentive for us to work out. <laughs> like, yeah. That's mainly it. And we're, and we're pretty flexible. Like we'll do individually heroes. Or we'll play one superhero, the four of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Is that, we're, all, that, we're all actively avoiding the gym until we get our Marvel contract. Yeah. Is that even known in, in Canada as the Kumail deal? Is that the Kumail yeah. deal? I, 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 I like first time I'm hearing it, but I like it. <laughs> I mean, we got Simu. Simu's from, from Canada, from Toronto, you know, and Shang-Chi. And so like, yeah, he's we're, we're trying to we're trying to follow in his footsteps. He 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 did it from from Canada, so we're like we're trying to do the same. <laughs> well, you're you're already uh, well established on TV and streaming in Canada through the CBC, and now Americans will get to see you through Fuse. Can people in other parts of the world access the Tall Boys Canon? Everyone's yeah. invited as long as you have a VPN. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our that's our official tagline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our limitation. Some, some countries want passports. We want VPNs. I mean, we, we do have like uh, Tall Boys is a show on all platforms. You can find us on TikTok, uh, YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook. And so we do post a handful of sketches on there. But yeah, VPN if you want to. All right. So people get a VPN, get a, get a, get a tease <laughs> on, on, on TikTok and uh, hopefully get to see all four of you on tour. Once yes. the the pandemic, if the pandemic, once the pandemic is over. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having thanks us. That. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.